Welcome to Black Warren Reads, a weekly showcase from the authors of current releases from Black Warren Books. All stories read are available for purchase from BlackWarrenBooks.com, Amazon, and wherever ebooks are sold. Thank you for joining in, and enjoy the show. Good evening, and welcome to another reading of Black Warren Books. On this day, June 2nd of 2023, we are two days into Pride 2023. So, yeah, happy Pride from all of us at uh, Black Warren Books. And obviously, it's sad that you had to basically say these sort of things, but um, trans rights are human rights. And what's going on basically in this country right now is, to put it very lightly, bullshit. So this is why we need to vote people. But moving on, because we're here for a reading tonight. This will be considered the season finale of season one of Black Warren Reads. We'll be finishing up Samhain Secrets world premiere tonight. And then we will be moving into Black Warren Plays, which will be us hosting playings of video games. And also we will be record- doing recordings of a Pathfinder game that's um, one of our moderators, Chris, is going to be running. So we're really looking forward to starting that off with everybody. Obviously, we are going to be, you know, putting out some merch for Pride. Also, there is a currently a sale on BlackWarrenBooks.com. Uh, basically, just use the word PRIDE, all caps, P-R-I-D-E, to get 15% off any orders that are currently, you might be getting at Black Warren Books right now. All right, so with all of that, we are going to be starting off with The Audition by Sierra Dean. Our cast tonight, there really aren't a lot of major roles. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are going to be speaking, but I'll just say the miscellaneous vampires <laughs> and the like will be voiced by myself, Vaughn R. DeMont, Dave the Dragon, Renard Defleureau, Kez, and our narrator... Also voicing Monique will be our assistant editor, Sky Sisk. Now, before we begin, I would like everybody to close your eyes and for a few seconds, take a deep cleansing breath. Ms. Sisk, whenever you're ready. The Audition by Sierra Dean. Ask any starving actress and she'll tell you, the role of a lifetime would be landing the gig for the Secret McQueen reboot series. Bloody Good had been more than iconic, it had been a game changer. The best series on TV, no question. And unlike certain other primetime cable shows, it managed to stick the landing on the finale. But it left the back door open, and now the creators were actually listening to fans, bringing it back for a reboot slash continuation. But with one major change, they were recasting Secret. Now, don't get me wrong, I'd loved Ashley Carpenter in the original. I'd practiced her sar- sorry. I'd practiced her sarcastic lilt in the mirror and used her famous secret breaks up with Holden speech as my audition material more than once. But Ashley Carpenter was done, and it was time for fresh blood on the series. No pun intended. In a million years, I hadn't thought the producers would seek out an unknown for the role, so when I saw the brief in backstage, my eyes almost fell out of my head. Seeking Secret McQueen. That was all it said, just the brief and a phone number, nothing else. 
All it specified was actress 19 to 30. I waved the paper in front of my BFF slash voice of reason, Kalia. This is fate. She swatted the paper away and focused on dumping three packets of sugar into her already sweetened oat milk latte. That's not fate. That's a scam. My nose wrinkled up. I think scam is a bit dramatic, don't you? I laid the paper on the table between us, smoothing out the lines she'd created by hitting it. Did you lose about 50 IQ points at some time in the last 12 hours, Monique? She jabbed her finger into the ads surrounding the ones I'd circled. What do these all have that yours doesn't? Erroneous detail? I offered hopefully. She rolled her eyes. The names of production companies, contact information, addresses, information that makes them real. I'm sure Backstage doesn't just print any ads, Cal. It has to be real. They'll print ads for weird old cinematographers who want to take videos of your feet. I think their bar is basically in the basement, babe. But real cinematographers, I countered. I took a sip from my iced coffee and stared at the little black and white box. My head, filled, my head filling with the fantasy I'd clung to since seeing Bloody Good for the first time. Ashley Carpenter, dressed in leather pants, curly blonde hair so perfectly coiled that she could have uncorked a bottle of wine with it, and that signature fedora that was almost as famous as the one in Indiana Jones. And I thought, I could do that. And now I really could, couldn't I? Look, I know how much this means to you. I really do practically burned out your DVD player making me watch and rewatch those old episodes. I know you can quote that damn show beginning to end. But there's simply no way they're going to cast this role from an open audition ad in Backstage. Last I heard, there were about seven or eight legit A-list stars they were considering. They're all white girls, typical. Secret should be black. I don't disagree with you. There were black vampires in-universe. I've read the books. And they never really emphasize her race. It's really her being blonde that's the defining feature. Blonde. Curly hair. But you're missing the point here, Cal. If they cast an A-lister or a black actress, your very white, very non-A-list best friend won't get the job. And we want me to get the job. You do look in leather pants. Kalia acquiesced. Right? Plus, those network cowards would never be ballsy enough to hire a black girl, which sucks. But that doesn't change the fact that that ad is just a serial killer trap set to lure stupid actresses who don't know how to read warning signs, and we are not stupid actresses, are we? I picked away at the ad with one purple fingernail. No. Mo, tell me you're not going to call that number. I'm not going to call that number, I said truthfully. But only because I already had. In retrospect, I should have listened to Cal. She was right, because Kalia's always right, but if you tell her that, I'm going to have to kill you, because she'd never let me live it down. I stood in front of a shitty-looking warehouse in the middle of Nowheresville, or specifically in the depths of St. Benedict, which should have been the first red flag. My last audition had been a nice old brownstone in Beckettsville, and while I know not every production was created equal, I was expecting the secret McQueen auditions in Alora High-Rise or something. Not the shittiest part of Argent City. This part of St. Benedict was so run down, even the rats didn't want to be here. I triple-checked the map I'd pulled up on my phone. I was in the right place, but this looked more like somewhere they would butcher cattle than a place for a cattle call. Surely the producers of the Secret McQueen reboot had money for a proper studio, didn't they? If this is going to be some bare-bones production, I didn't really want to be a part of that. 
you'd end up a laughing stock. The original show hadn't been big budget until about season three, and you could really tell when they when you went back to watch the first two seasons. Those vampire shifting effects were a big yikes. The little voice in the back of my head, the one that didn't want to believe this was a bad idea and was just dying for a chance to play secret, spoke up. Maybe they're just going under the radar to keep rabid fans from showing up. It would make sense. I remember once working in a little diner across the street from a video store, and they had managed to book Ashley Carpenter to come do a signing to celebrate the launch of the bloody good collector's box set on Blu-ray. That was already two years after the show went off air, and the crowd was so big they had to call in the cops and shut down two blocks in each direction. The diner did wild business that day, and the closest I got to Ashley was seeing her iconic blonde curls bob past the window surrounded by security. Last I heard, she had totally retired from acting and was living on a private island somewhere, removed from the limelight. She made precisely one appearance per year at SeekerCon, and you had to hope you scored an autograph pass, because they sold out in about two minutes and scalpers sold them for thousands. That could be you, the voice cooed. The world is ready for a new secret. I took a deep breath and nodded. I'd come dressed in character, sunshine yellow tank top, that was a detail for the real diehards who had read all the books the new secret's favorite color was yellow, and a beat-up leather jacket. I'd wanted to wear leather pants, but I'd put on a few pounds since last time I'd worn mine, and leather was not forgiving. I had debated for a good hour whether or not to wear a fedora, but in the end, I decided against it. That had been a show-specific costume choice, not from the books, and I wanted the producers to see me as a new secret. Besides, I look stupid in hats. My hair's just too big to be contained. Once I dawdled in the alley long enough, I spotted a single bulb hanging over one door leading into the warehouse. There was no sign to indicate I was in the right place. No markings of a production company, not even a hand-drawn crayon sign saying, Audition's here with a backwards R or something. Maybe I should have asked Kalia to come with me. But if I had, all I'd be hearing right now was, Bitch, I told you so! And she had. She had told me so. There were so many red flags in this situation, I might as well be at the Canadian Embassy. Yet, in spite of every part of my brain screaming at me to turn tail and run, to go home, put on some pajamas and open a bottle of wine to nurse my hurt feelings, an even stupider part of me said, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, murder, stupid brain. You can get super duper murdered. Don't you even listen to true crime podcasts? Still, we were here, weren't we? And who truly knew more about Secret McQueen than I did? who had read and reread the paperbacks until the spines were cracked and pages were coming out. I'd had to buy a new DVD box. I'd had to buy a new DVD box set when I'd watched the first one so many times the discs simply stopped working. This was my dream. This was the reason I'd become an actress in the first place, because the way Ashley Carpenter totally embodied the character of Secret was like magic. I'd seen interviews. She was a different person altogether. Nope. I'm so sorry. I'd seen interviews, she was a very different person off script, which made it all the more impressive what she was able to pull off on screen. I wanted to do that. So far, all I'd managed was a national commercial, I was the beaming smile in an organic toothpaste campaign, and a small handful of day player gigs where my IMDb credits listed me as dead sex worker or sassy waitress. Thus far, the only role where I'd been given a name was when I had two lines in an NBC comedy series called Divine Intervention about an angel who gets stuck as a temp working weekly office jobs trying to help out the exhausted working class. I played a receptionist named Becky. I wanted to be better than Becky. I wanted to be secret freaking McQueen. I squared my shoulders and tried my best to tame my curls. You're tough, you're blonde, 
You're badass, I told myself. This wasn't some death trap waiting to happen. This was a real audition and one that was going to change my life. That was what I held on to as I pulled open the door and stepped into the darkness of the warehouse, hoping to God Kalia had gotten my text with the location pin, just in case I never stepped out. A girl could never be too careful. As it turned out, I was a big idiot, and if I, if I ever saw the light of day again, I would let Cal tell me I told you so as much and as often as she pleased. Walking through the dimly lit corridors of the warehouse, I could practically hear an imaginary audience of horror movie fans screaming, No, you idiot! Don't investigate that noise in the basement! I'd taken an acting class once where our teacher said something that really blew my mind. They said that it was impossible to expect your character to be aware of the genre of their movie. So your poor horror movie heroine might think her life was a rom-com. Your series of unfortunate events comedy hero might not know he's poised to get the girl in the end, so to him it might all feel like a hopeless drama. And if forced to acknowledge that real life was not, in fact, a movie, I was just some dumb girl who'd walked into a so-called edition all alone at night and was, probably about, and was probably about to become a headline in tomorrow's newspaper. Idiot found murdered because she couldn't admit she was wrong. I decided then and there that the microscopic chance this might be a real audition simply wasn't worth the creeping sense of dread that was screaming at me to get the hell out of here. Maybe I'd feel stupid about it later, but at least I'd be alive feeling stupid. I turned to leave and walked directly into the chest of a man standing mere inches behind me. Oof, I announced. Man was silent, which certainly didn't make me feel less nervous. He was tall, almost six and a half feet, which put him a good foot taller than me, and made me feel both dainty and helpless in even measure. He wasn't exactly ripped like a former wrestler, but he had an intimidating strength radiating from him nevertheless. He might have been handsome in another scenario, like one where we weren't standing inches apart in a poorly lit warehouse, but in here he just looked like a guy that might have gone to prison for murder at some point in his life. Usually I found that dangerous bad boy vibe appealing, but not so much right now. Are you here because you saw the advertisement? He asked, his voice rough and gravelly like he didn't often have a need to use it. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> my name is Dragomir. Seriously? <laughs> my hand flew up to my mouth as the word escaped, but too late to stop it. That said, I could hardly be blamed for showing a little incredulity. Dragomir? That's so unusual. Is it a family name? I hope my follow-up might keep me from looking like a complete jerk. No. Was his only reply. He was barely looking at me. If anything, his gaze was focused on the top of my head. Maybe he had a bad neck and looking lower was painful? He did, after all, appear to be very stiff. Uh, I'm Monique. It occurred to me as I said it that there wasn't going to be a list of names he would recognize me from. This was an open audition, and they hadn't requested information ahead of time. I opened my purse and handed him my headshot. He was a few years old, lending me a quality of youthful innocence I probably didn't have anymore but I also still wanted to be able to trick my way into auditions for high school shows. I figured I could push my 16-year-old years until I was at least 30. The large man took my headshot and glanced down on it, not bothering to flip it over to read my credits. Maybe he was a PA, not a producer. He certainly didn't give off the most welcoming vibes. <laughs> what a remarkable resemblance, he said, staring at the photo. Then he finally seemed to realize I had a face and fixated on that instead. Making me wish he'd just looked at the photo because he was giving me the heebie-jeebies in a major way. Resemblance to... 
He didn't answer me and instead pointed a finger to the lone door at the end of the hallway. This way, please. I glanced over his shoulder towards the exit, wondering if I should excuse myself and make a run for it. I thought about a review I'd read once for one of the secret books. I couldn't recall which one. It said secret was TSTL. Too stupid to live. I didn't agree with the reviewer, but I was starting to wonder if this was a book. And somewhere out there, a reader was screaming at me, Get out! Get out! Get out! Boy, were they going to be mad when I followed the direction of the man's finger and headed further into the warehouse. Either to my doom or my big break. It was really impossible to tell the difference at this point. Inside, I felt almost immediately relieved to see a long wooden table set up in the middle of the room with three chairs behind it. There was another chair, this one presumably for me, facing the table. Dragomir gestured towards the chair and I took a seat. There wasn't a video camera that I could see, which was typically what I expected for most auditions I went to. Not that anything about this was a typical audition, but I think the presence of a camera would have sold me on this not being a super sketch tactic as it seemed. Still, there was a table, multiple chairs, and some of the scant signs that maybe, just maybe, I wasn't walking to my Im immediate demise. I fidgeted uncomfortably on the wooden chair. That must have had one leg slightly shorter than the others, based on the way it wobbled back and forth when I tried to find a position to sit in that didn't make it feel like I was being tortured. As I shuffled around, the chair squeaked horribly on the concrete floor, and each sound was amplified by the empty, enormous space around us. Finally, I just stopped moving altogether to save myself the terrible embarrassment of the ruckus I'd been making. Just when the room had fallen silent, because Dragomir certainly wasn't making any noise and was, so, in fact, so quiet I'd almost forgotten he was there, the metallic creak of an opening door drew my attention to the back of the room. Footfalls echoed on concrete, and soon three people stepped into the unseemly pool of light created by the one overhead bulb in the room that seemed to be positioned directly over my chair. Two men and one woman, all wearing clothing that had probably fallen out of fashion in the Victorian era, approached the table and sat down in perfect unison. Were their clothes costumes? Were they trying to set the mood for the audition? The Secret series was modern era, but I guess they might be doing flashbacks to Holden's time in England, maybe? I'd always wanted them to explore his character more. Hashtag Team Holden. They weren't speaking to each other, but despite the silence, it didn't seem like they were paying any attention to me. The woman was smoothing her long skirt and the two men were staring straight ahead, but somehow neither one was looking at me. Finally, it was Dragomir who spoke, and he managed to sneak up behind me while I was watching this new trio get settled, so when his voice boomed over my shoulder, I almost jumped out of my skin. Prestigious leaders, I present to you the girl. A shiver ran down my spine. I didn't particularly love the way he said the girl, the way a waiter might say steak tartare. Um, yeah, hi. My name is Monique. I'm here for the audition. The three people at the desk were giving Dragomir a look between, somewhere between bemused and annoyed. The audition, the woman in the middle said, her lip turning up at the corner in the vague impression of a smile. She was so pale, I wondered what sunscreen she used. Whatever it was, her skin had a flawless, pearlescent glow to it. She was gorgeous. I wondered what the etiquette was on asking for a producer's phone number if you didn't get the job. Probably not a good look. Is this all you've brought us? Asked one of the men. One girl? I glanced over my shoulder, only to see Dragomir shrug. She was the only one who came. 
This caused the trio at the table to begin muttering amongst themselves, their tones so low that the only reason I knew they were speaking at all was because I could see their lips moving. I cleared my throat. <clears throat> I don't mean to question your methods or anything. You're obviously producers, and you know more about all of this than I do, but the, um, the ad? The one in Backstage? It was pretty sketch. Sketch? Asked the third man. It was drawn? I swallowed a laugh, certain that if it got out, I would never get to the actual audition part of this evening before they'd kick me to the curb. Sketchy? Seeing that the extra Y had done nothing to help him get my point, I said, it was kind of suspicious. Dragomir, the woman sighed. You said you understood the process. Ah, so poor Dragomir really was just a lowly PA, and he was having a pretty bad go of it. I wondered if this was his first big show. My roommate Ari got his first job on a Netflix show, and it had been a nightmare for him. Expectations were always higher the bigger the budget got. If this was Dragomir's first time setting up an audition, that probably explained why he'd chosen the most terrifying location on Earth and messed up the print ad. I kind of felt for him. I understood. He gestured to me. The girl is here. A girl is here, corrected the woman. We wanted many girls. He only needs one. Dragomir insisted. I didn't know who this he was, but once again, Dragomir's phrasing gave me pause. I was willing to let a lot of the red flags here slide as being a byproduct of a first-time PA messing up an audition, but the way he was talking about me still made me think I was about to get sold on the black market. She's perfect. Dragomir huffed. Look at her hair. Nerves and misgivings aside, I fluffed out my curls so the three at the table could see how closely they matched the description of Secret's hair from the book, which was something like Taylor Swift's country era. I had admittedly added some extensions to get some extra length, because my own hair definitely wasn't down to the small of my back. Blonde? Curls? He leaned in and stared at my face. Brown eyes? He gestured at me again, as if to ask, what more do you want? She's too fat. One of the men announced. He crossed his arms sternly over his chest and leaned back in his chair. I sucked in my cheeks and bit my tongue hard. This would hardly be the first time I had been insulted directly to my face in an audition, and it certainly wouldn't be the last. Yes, I was a bit thicker than the last actress who had played Secret. That much was obvious at a quick glance. But I, at a size six, could not, under almost any circumstances, be qualified as fat. I was glad I hadn't worn the leather pants, because he would have thought I was borderline obese than those. Jackass. No, not that there's anything wrong with being fat. I'd seen a fancast comedy parody of Bloody Good on YouTube with a plus-sized actress as the lead, and while I was obvious she was just cast to play against the typical physical type, she kicked ass at her stunts and was gorgeous as well. So, yeah, a fat actress could play secret, thanks. But I wasn't fat. When the initial slap of shock faded away, I let out a breath slowly through my nostrils and stared directly at him, challenging him to say anything else about my appearance. This seemed to unsettle him, because he stopped leaning his chair back and soon was the first to drop my gaze. The woman, at least, had openly sneered at his comment, but it was the other man who spoke up. This one had dark, curly hair, quite the opposite of the blonde who had insulted me. The woman and the curly-haired man actually looked enough alike they could have been twins. And all three of them were so pale, I had to wonder how many hours they'd spent inside working on getting this new show off the ground. The dark-haired man said, Fat? Horatio, you're absolutely mad. 
He waved a hand in my general direction like I was a piece of art or a car accident and said, Have your eyes checked. If anything, she should eat more. Women today, so thin. He let out a huff of disgust. Okay, cool. I was too fat for Horatio, too thin for dark-haired guy. Maybe Mama Bear in the middle would think I was just right. Instead of speaking, she got up from the chair. Her long, stiff skirt scraping the concrete floor, she walked over to me and stood almost directly in front of my chair. My breath caught in my throat, and I couldn't have said a word to her than if she'd asked me anything. Thankfully, she didn't seem too keen on getting to know me as a person, merely investigating me like a cow she was considering buying at auction. She walked around me slowly, and I felt her hands graze my hair. Was she flirting or checking to see if it was real? And then stopped in front of me, and then stopping in front of me again. She wasn't frowning, but she wasn't smiling either. I knew producers could be notoriously hard to read, but this was taking it to a whole new level. Stand, please, she instructed. I did as I was asked, getting to my feet with absolutely no grace whatsoever, the wooden chair screaming as I pushed it away from me. Now that I was standing, I could see I was about an inch taller than her. Too tall, snarled Horatio. Yes, Secret was a short queen, but surely they weren't going to force the actress being 5'2". That was so limiting. I was 5'6", but cast me next to some 6'-foot-plus hotties, and I'm sure I could be downright dainty looking. Is that vital? I managed to spit out. The woman gave me another once-over and sighed, then looked past me to Dragomir. She was the only one? Yes, my lady. Can you fight? The woman asked me. Fight? Oh, shit. I was drawing a total blank on what lies I'd put on my resume. Well, I took some karate, and I've got a bit of practice using a sword. I'd taken karate when I was seven, and the extent of my sword skills was playing with the plastic replica of Secret's famous katana in my living room after drinking half a bottle of rosé. My Ikea lamp died in glory. As for my current training, I don't think they'd be too impressed with my single class of Krav Maga at the local rec center, or my very proficient mastery of the ancient Taibo workout VHS I'd found at the thrift store. If an attacker were to stand perfectly still in front of me, I could probably land a few punches and then proceed to weep over my broken hands. Have you ever killed a vampire? She asked. I was barely thinking what to say. Oh, oh, what? Surely we weren't doing an immersive method acting type audition. Were we? Oh, fuck it. Oh, yeah, all the time. I'm great at killing vampires. Something happened to her face I had never seen in my entire life and hoped never to see again. For the briefest flash of a second, a moment so quick I prayed I'd imagined it, her expression became one of such raw, naked rage that I think I might have peed the tiniest bit out of a purely physical fear reaction. Her features then returned to normal as if it had never happened, and she was just as unreadable as before. She sighed. She will suffice. Dragomir, go get her weapon and do something about her clothes. A weapon? I nodded, pretending I had any idea what she was talking about. This was really going to go down in the books as the weirdest audition I'd ever done in my life. This was like one of those auditions George Miller did for Mad Max Fury Road, where he kept people going in character for so long that the actors who played the war boys almost became a real cult on set. Except I was the only one here. Dragomir thrust a pile of clothing into my hands, and without seeing what I had, I could feel a lot of leather. 
He pointed me towards what appeared to be a custodian's closet at the back of the room, where the darkness was almost so complete that I could barely make out the frame of the door. Tucked inside with my armload of clothes, I realized I'd been correct in my assumption. There were crusty old bottles of cleaning supplies and a mop that looked like it hadn't been rinsed since 1947, tucked in the, in the corner of the small room. It smelled of bleach and pine salt, but I guess there were worse things you could smell in a place like this. I glanced around the small room, trying to spot any glowing red or green lights that might suggest this was all a ploy so they could record me changing, but nothing that looked like a camera appeared to be hiding anywhere, so I just gave in and, undress and got undressed. They'd obviously been expecting a smaller actress, because the leather pants he'd given me were a size 2, and no amount of manifestation and wishing on a star was going to make my thighs fit into those pants. The bright yellow blouse and leather jacket fit okay, and looked pretty darn similar to the outfit I'd come in wearing, to the point I almost didn't bother changing. But who was I to argue with the costume department? Plus, the leather jacket was a hella bougie brand name one compared to my thrifted one. I left my own dark wash jeans on and came out of the room, ready to explain myself. Except the main warehouse area was now empty. The table and three chairs were still there, as was the wooden counter I'd been sitting in, but Dragomir and the three producers had vanished. I crossed the vacant room and noticed that several items had been left on the table. Setting down my clothes, I picked up each item in order. There was a gun, and I didn't know enough about guns to recognize it at a glance, but engraved in the muzzle were the words Sig Sauer P229. Fandom Brain clicked that this was Secret's weapon of choice, or close to. I actually couldn't remember if she favored a P226 or P229, and somewhere out there I would have just lost Secret McQueen pub trivia. The gun was surprisingly heavy, which is all I needed to give me the feeling it was probably real. Hopefully a prop expert had set it up to not fire, but I'd never been in a movie or a show with weapons, so I had no way to tell if it had been augmented for safety. I also had no idea what the safety on a gun looked like, or if it was engaged, so I kept it pointed away from me and set it gently back on the table before I accidentally shot myself in the foot. Next to the gun was an item I recognized immediately, and this one was a much much nicer replica than the plastic one I had at home. The katana was sheathed in a glossy black scabbard, and when I pulled it out, I swear I could hear the cartoon bubble overhead going shink. Even in the low light from the one bulb, the silver blade shone brightly and was polished to such an intense smoothness I could see my own reflection in it. The last item on the table made me laugh out loud. It was a hair elastic. Of course, Secret's hair might have been one of her most defining traits, but she wasn't famous for wearing it down. She was a ponytail bitch through and through. Made sense when you did as much fighting as she did. Of course you'd want to keep your hair out of your face. I pulled my hair back, tying it in a low ponytail at the base of my neck. Thanks to the extensions, a high ponytail would have looked pretty goofy, so I'd stick with something that would read better on camera. My outfit was a bit too tight, but when I gave the sword an exploratory swing, I found I could move fairly comfortable while wearing it. If I'd had the leather pants on, I probably wouldn't have been able to breathe, let alone fight someone. I held the blade out in front of me, and praying that no one was watching this and planning to put me on the internet to become the next Star Wars kid, I said, I'm Secret McQueen, and you? You're about to be history. I gave the sword a slash, amazed by how cleanly it moved. I could practically feel it cutting through the air as if I was breathing something solid. The groan of metal announced that the door was being opened again, and I guiltily set the sword back on the table, hopefully hoping I wouldn't get in trouble for playing with it unsupervised. Friends had told me about how seriously most movie sets take weapons safety, but it had been hard for me to resist picking up such spot-on replicas. The woman who had determined I was good enough stepped back into the light, and behind her was another man who hadn't been with us before. This man was old, 
like really old. He was maybe five feet tops, which made me wonder if that's why Horatio had been such a stickler about my height. This guy, whoever he was, was definitely going to notice I wasn't 5'2". I swallowed hard. He had white hair slicked back from his forehead and wrinkles so deep they created a river, a river system map on his face. His eyes were small and black and almost impossible to see thanks to heavy eyelids and wrinkled skin. He walked with a cane and his steps were more like shuffles. My lord, the woman said, as requested, we have brought you Secret McQueen. <clears throat> The old man assessed me, or I think he did. It was really hard to tell what he was looking at. She shows no fear, he said, his voice so raspy I wondered if his vocal cords were made out of tissue paper. Are you not afraid, vampire hunter? Was I supposed to have a script memorized, or were we improvising? I darted a quick glance at the woman, wishing now I'd gotten her name earlier or had forged some kind of connection that could help me understand what I was supposed to do next. I had the feeling that whatever words came out of my mouth, or whatever actions I took, were going to be the determining factor in whether or not I got the part. What would Secret McQueen do? I asked myself. Not for the first time in my life. I squared my shoulders and lifted my chin, projecting an air of confidence I didn't feel but somehow holding myself like this. I could sense my unease drifting away, being replaced with a self-assurance I hadn't known I possessed. Show me something to be afraid of, and I'll consider it, I ad-libbed. Shit, good line. The old man stared at me, and I could sense a nervous energy radiating from the woman. Then suddenly, the tiny wizard man barked out a laugh so loud and unexpected that the woman and I both jumped from how unexpected it was. He tapped his cane on the ground and smiled broadly. Were those fangs? Are you pleased, my lord? The woman asked, hopefully. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, blessed Hades. This is her. <laughs> he laughed again, and this time I felt an unease tickle in my belly listen to, listening to it. The sound, while jovial on the surface, did something to my insides that was setting off every single internal alarm bell I had. Run away! Run away! From what, though? A little old man? Come on, Monique, this is just your paranoia. You're trying to ruin your own shot at success. They have costumes, props, a shitty PA. This is legit, you're just self-sabotaging. I readjusted my posture again and tried to think like Secret. Be like Secret. She wouldn't be nervous, or if she was, she would fake her way through like a boss. That was one of the things I loved about her. She wasn't fearless because she didn't feel fear. She was fearless because she faced her fears. I could do that. I could get through this audition in spite of my brain trying to convince me everything about this wasn't right. Who would you like to see her fight, my lord? Girl! The old man barked. <laughs> do you feel lucky today? God, I wish they'd given me a script. Or at least some notes on the story arc. Was this guy acting as some monster of the week, or was he my big bad of the season? Or maybe he was a shadowy ally meant to teach me an important lesson? Knowing what his role was really would have helped me out. I guess I'll feel lucky every day, until the day my luck runs out, I said back. This evidently pleased him, because he laughed again and hooked his arm around the woman's elbow. <laughs> she will face Titan. Come, Grace. 
We will watch. The pair of them headed towards the back of the room and out of view, but I got the feeling they were still in the warehouse area with me, only because I didn't hear the door open or close again right away. Titan? Titan didn't sound like a small guy, and they wanted me to, what, improvise a whole fight scene with this dude with no script and no choreo? Even wrestlers had weeks ahead of time to work on their moves, and they knew who would win each match. I dated a semi-pro wrestler for a while, and she tried really hard to get me into it. But as fun as it could be, I stopped watching immediately after we broke up. Was I supposed to win this fight? Probably. Secret was the hero. She had to come out victorious in the end. But in previous seasons of the show, she'd also sustained enough injuries to sideline a whole football team for a season. So I wondered how far I should let things go before winning. Audiences loved a little uncertainty, and Secret often took things so close to the brink it seemed like she might not come back. But, against a guy named Titan? Eh, that had low-level thug vibes. She could kick his ass. The sound of the door drew my attention to the edge of the circle of light, and a moment later I almost swallowed my tongue. Where the little man had been under five feet, this guy was brushing up against seven. He was built like a brick wall of muscle, so wide across the chest, I doubted I would have been able to hug him with much success. That was if hugging was what he was here for. He glowered at me, sinewy muscles rippling like he'd just greased up before coming out here. Would he be slippery if I tried to grab hold of him? How do you spar with someone you can't get a grip on? Second question, how do you spar? This is the great secrets, McQueen. <laughs> he scoffed. I thought I was going to be challenged. This twig is barely suitable to scratch my ass with. My mouth hung open. Any quips I'd been preparing falling mute and just how gross the visual he'd painted was. When I didn't immediately say anything, he curled a lip at me, making a single scoffing laugh sound. <laughs> Pathetic. Okay, but seriously, this guy had fangs. I wasn't imagining the predatory canines filed to a point. I'd been willing to ignore it with the old man, but Titan made it impossible not to stare at them. What the hell? Are you ready to die, bounty hunter? Titan snapped. I don't know what came over me, but when my lips parted, it was like she took over my brain, and the words were secrets. I mean, someday, sure, but if you're the best they could do, today isn't going to be that day. In the darkness, I could hear the distinct laughter of the old man hooting his delight at my one-liner. I think if you'd asked me 15 minutes earlier, I might have said that made me excited, like, the dis like this audition was going well. But now? Well, now either this Titan guy was on his way to winning an Oscar for this performance, or I might actually be in some real trouble here. He took a few steps towards me, then reared, reared back his fist, and a moment before he moved to throw the punch, I put my hands up and said, Whoa, hey, hey, hey. I'm fine with a little play acting here, but we didn't rehearse this, so back the fuck up. He paused, his fists halfway to my face, and blinked at me as if I'd just spoken in a different language. What did you say? I said, back the fuck up. He was so stunned by my suggestion that he dropped his fist entirely, and I took the opportunity to take one big step away from him my fingers grazing the gun on the table and locking onto it re reflexively. I knew I shouldn't pick up the weapons, but for the first time since getting here tonight, I was listening to my instincts. Sure, I was probably more likely to shoot myself in the foot or cut off a hand than I was inflicting any damage on anyone else, 
But if we were just playing around, I still wanted to make it look good. And if we weren't playing around, well, I wanted to give myself a chance. Half a chance. Titan saw the gun in my hand and let out a loud, booming laugh. <laughs> you think I fear your silly weapons? <laughs> you are no match for me. I mean, you're the size of a freaking grain elevator. No, I really don't think I am a match for you without a little, without a little pew pew and stab stab. I picked up the sword, which I hadn't bothered to put back in its sheath earlier. With both weapons in hand, I really had to wonder how Secret did this. How exactly do you wield both a gun and a sword and make either one of them effective? It sure looked cool on TV, but in practice it was both cumbersome and a bit confusing. I ended up tucking the gun into the waistband of my jeans and putting a silent prayer up to the heavens I wouldn't blow an ass cheek off. Fool. He said, more to my sword than to me. If you're so sure, then come at me, bro. Come at me, bro? No, you didn't. I guess I did. And Titan evidently didn't need a pop culture translation because he knew precisely what it meant. He lunged at me so quickly, I didn't see him move. One moment he was six feet away, and the next he had his massive hand around my throat and was lifting me off the floor like I weighed nothing. I gagged as the pressure of his hand crushed my windpipe. I think right up until then, until the moment my feet left the ground, I'd been willing to believe this was just a really weird audition. I'd overlooked about 10 million red flags in the vain hope that this might be my big break. And instead, it was shaping up to be the last day of my life. Too stupid to live. If this was a book, the one-star reviewers would be roasting me right now. If for some reason that was what pissed me off more than my own stupidity. That anyone looking at the situation from the outside in might pretend they would be smarter than I'd been. But the real hard truth of it was that we were all willing to overlook obvious dangers if it meant we might find ourselves in a better situation. Without our dreams, with our dreams on the line, what wouldn't give most... I'm, I'm so sorry. With our dreams on the line, what wouldn't most people ignore to get precisely what they wanted most? I might be stupid, but I was going to get out of this alive even if it killed me. Don't overanalyze that. I couldn't maneuver the sword with it pressed between us the way it was, but he was so focused on crushing my throat with his bare hands, he wasn't paying any attention to what I was doing with mine. I pulled the gun out of the back of my jeans, my fingers trembling so hard I had to try twice to get my fingers around it. I still had no idea what the safety was, and had to hope, against all my more sensible hopes, that it was off. Damning the gun under Titan's chin, he had a moment to look really, genuinely surprised before I blew his head off. We both tumbled to the ground, his mammoth weight landing on top of me and knocking any remaining air out of my lungs. As I gasped for breath through my ravaged windpipe, I spat out, Guess the gun could hurt you after all, huh, asshole? I managed to shove his body off me and scramble away, clutching the gun to my chest and grabbing, clutching the gun to my chest and dragging the sword along with me. In my mind, I was screaming, "What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? Wah!" But outside, I was dead silent, just fighting against the shock that was threatening to take over my whole body. If I let it settle in, I was screwed. I could sit here and shudder or cry. Or I could get the hell out of this place and run the entire way home before I let myself feel just how insane this was. I just killed someone. Sure, he'd been trying to kill me, but for some reason that didn't make the knowledge of my actions any easier to stomach. I'd, like, really killed him. Like, I currently had little bits of his brain in my hair, the realization of which made me gag and I'd swallow back the bile, otherwise I risk puking all over myself. 
Not that I really needed to worry about maintaining my professionalism, professionalism at this point. What the hell was going on here? It was obvious now, and should have been a million times before this, that I had been lured into a trap. But what was the point of the trap? I tried to put together all the things I had heard and seen up to this point. It was like looking at the answer to a riddle through, to, through a kaleidoscope. I simply couldn't make it make sense. I scrambled to my feet, still holding onto the sword and the gun, and took several huge steps away from the dead body, all while trying to stay inside the circle of light. I didn't like being on display, but I also had no clue what might be waiting for me out in the darkness, and quite frankly, I wasn't in the mood to find out. Well, I think my job here is done, I managed to spit out. I'm gonna go home now. The woman, Grace, appeared from out of... Sorry? Absolutely. I, I didn't know if someone was trying to get my attention or what. Um, the woman, Grace, appeared from out of nowhere, moving with that same eerie, quiet, and freakish speed that Titan had. She didn't attack me, but rather stayed at the edge of the circle, watching me warily. Who are you? She asked through gritted teeth. I'm an actress, I seethed back. Though after this, I couldn't imagine dragging myself to another audition again for the rest of my life. Talk about trust issues. And you can take this role and shove it. I'm getting out of here. The appropriate thing to do would be to leave the weapons behind, but I had no intention of letting them go between now and when I got back to my apartment. The voice of the old man echoed through the room, chilling me to my very bones. I am very sorry to disappoint you, Miss McQueen. But we are only getting started. Grace, who's next? I stared at her, forcing her to hold my gaze. Why are you doing this? I pleaded. Hades help us, but he just started watching Bloody Good, she said with a sigh. He thought it was a documentary. We didn't know how to... We couldn't... She shrugged, looking almost helpless. He wanted to see what Secret McQueen could do against his brood. Grace's eyes looked towards Titan, then back to me. Are you fucking kidding me? You weren't supposed to get this far. It was supposed to be over quickly. We wanted to make it fast. She looked over her shoulder, and I wondered if the old man was hard of hearing for her to be sharing this so openly. I'm sorry. You're sorry? If you're so sorry, just let me go. Can't do that. Not now that you've seen him. Any mortal who has seen the master's face can't be allowed to live. She didn't wait for me to say anything else. Didn't give me an opportunity to ask any more questions. She skulked back into the darkness, becoming one with the thick shadows, and heard her yell, Send in Dragomir! I wanted to be relieved, since at least I knew what to expect from, with Dragomir, having met him before, but he was still a good foot taller than me and so beefy he could probably crush me given the opportunity. Wait. What is she meant by mortal? Of course, that's when the rest of the clues clicked, but my brain was having a hard time believing it. I'd read other rumors, seen the, tab seen the tabloid gossip about the possibility of vampires living in Argent City, but it seemed ludicrous, something only crazy people would believe, like Mothman. Except I'd seen the fangs, and the pale skin, and the preternatural speed with which they moved. Those things, individually, I might have been able to write off, but not after what they'd done to me. And not after the way Grace had said mortal. These guys were vampires. I tried to think about everything I knew about vampires from reading and watching Secret McQueen, 
but that was fiction. This was real fang-toothed superhuman monsters trying to eat me alive. But I reminded myself it was close enough to the truth that it had fooled the granddaddy vampire into thinking secret was real, which meant at least some of it had to be accurate. I'd killed Titan by blowing his head off, so the old removal of head rule worked. I had no wooden stakes, so that approach was out. Garlic wasn't a thing, and even if it was, I didn't have any. Sunlight was useless, unless I could talk their ear off for another seven hours and hope they didn't notice. No, all I had was my sword and an overabundance of pop color and an overabundance of pop culture knowledge that really wasn't helping me out very much. I was up a creek and had kissed my paddle goodbye ages ago. Now I had to hope like hell I could stay alive long enough to make a break for the door and... And what? I didn't know. The warehouse was in a completely industrial area, and that area was in the shit part of town. No one would be outside waiting to rescue me in St. Benedict. I was going to have to rescue myself. I let out a little mewling sound that I wasn't proud of, and steeled myself as Dragomir entered the circle. He was big. He was a vampire. What the hell was I doing? I'd be careful if I was you, I warned, my wimpy tone not matching the bravado of my words. You can see what happened to the last guy. Dragomir gave Titan's body a quick glance, and then he looked back to me. I have nothing to fear from you, human. Well, that was rude. He sidestepped the body not looking like he cared a lick the Titan was dead. Maybe they hadn't been besties, but if someone I knew even peripherally had their head blown off, I'd feel some kind of way about it. Dragomir didn't even flinch. The body of his former colleague meant nothing to him. That was ice cold, and also told me that he wouldn't care about my sob human story. Especially not since he was the one who had tricked me into coming here. I had to admit, this plan had been kind of clever, with the, and with the tiniest bit more refinement, they might have had a lot more blondes in the waiting room just biding their time before someone came to drink their blood. Though, if the ad looked too real, someone's agent probably would have figured things out before it got to this point. Dragomir took a step towards me. He wasn't moving with the same eerie speed as Titan or Grace, and I think that was because he wanted me to see him coming. He seemed to be enjoying my mounting dread, and could probably hear or feel the way my pulse was amping up with every inch he drew closer. Logic told me I should put at least one weapon down so I should focus entirely on the other, but there was no part of me that could decide which weapon I was willing to let go, and in the end I just kept both, even though the blade of the sword was shaking so hard in my hand I doubted I could successfully cut tissue paper with it, let alone dice a fully grown man into pieces like Secret had in Season 1. Season 1. I thought back, to that absolutely iconic flashback sequence with Secret chasing a rogue Hollywood superstar through the subway system rocking sky-high gold heels and a skin-tight black Thierry Mugler bandage dress. I used to have a promo still from that episode hanging in my apartment. Considering it was only one episode in hardly her usual style, it was amazing how much that look had come to be the first thing everyone thought of when they thought of Secret. She wasn't even wearing her fedora, but it was just the epitome of cool, classy, sexy, and strong. It's what had sold me on the show and made me fall in love with the character. And here I was, pretending to be her in a fight for my life, and in one hand I held a very real sword, and in the other I knew, a gun I knew firsthand was loaded. And not ten feet away from me was an honest-to-God vampire who, had completely, who was completely convinced he could kill me. Any other day, and any other girl, he might be right. But for today, for this moment, I was Secret McQueen. 
and she would never let some blacky vamp be the thing to bring her to her knees. At that thought, I smiled, and that seemed to unnerve Dragomir, who stopped advancing. What's so funny? He asked. Bring her to her knees? I said more to myself than anyone else. Bring him to his knees? I lifted the gun, and with the precision of aim I knew I'd never be able to duplicate if it wasn't running on pure adrenaline, I blew out both of Dragomir's kneecaps. He remained standing for one long, horrible moment, his eyes wide and his lips curled in a howl of pain that never made its way out of his throat. Then he crashed to the floor in front of Titan, and, the, and at last the silence was broken, and over the ringing in my ears I could hear him wail. The wailing stopped when my sword sliced through the, through the air, and through his neck. It was remarkable how little difference in resistance there was between the two. The sword really was that sharp. I didn't wait, didn't bother trying any more challenges or one-liners. I made a break for the entrance, my, my pulse pounding so loudly in my ears that I wouldn't have been able to hear anyone running after me. I didn't look back, just held onto the sword and gun as I threw my whole weight into the exterior door, and I didn't stop running until I was blocks from the factory, standing in the middle of the street with, where the lights shone down on me and traffic whizzed by, with horns blaring and the exquisitely loud sounds of city life assaulting my ears. My lungs and legs were both on fire, but I laughed. I couldn't help it. I was out, and somehow, some way, I'd come away with my life. I had killed vampires. Plural. I was a motherfucking vampire hunter. Cool costume. Someone said as they brushed by me on the sidewalk. I glanced down at myself and realized there was a very good reason the cops weren't pinning me to the sidewalk for carrying weapons in the open. And it was because I looked like Secret McQueen. The extensions, the ponytail, the blood and leather... I really did look the part. <laughs> Thanks! I called back, but the man was well down the block now and didn't hear me. My butt started to vibrate, and I jumped so suddenly I dropped the sword on the sidewalk, where it landed with metallic clatter. My heart was pounding. I'd completely forgotten I still had my phone with me, and that I had made it through this only because I'd been too fat to fit in a pair of leather pants. Thick thighs save lives! I pulled the phone out of my pocket and saw a text from Cal. I told you it was a scam. Did they try to take pictures of her feet? She had sent me a link to a news post. While I'd been in the warehouse, the real producers of the show had made an enormous announcement, one that was causing quite a stir on social media already. Jasmine Baker, who had previously been best known for her work as the final girl in an indie horror movie that exploded in popularity, had been announced as the new Secret McQueen. The news story had an official promotional picture of her rocking outfit, almost identical to what I had on now, her coiled her curls highlighted in blonde. A black actress was going to be the next Secret McQueen after all, which had fans in a tizzy. Most of the comments on the article were, growing, were glowing with praise and excitement, but there were a handful of racist idiots trying to dampen the party. She was perfect. The photo practically screamed secret with the strength of her pose and the little smirk that made you think she was seconds away from dropping an incredible one-liner you'd want to print on a t-shirt. I laughed. I laughed and laughed until I was crying, and finally I just sent Cal a one-line text. I hope her audition was easier than mine. And that is the end of season one of Black Warren Reads, and also the end of the audition by Sierra Dean. We would like to thank our voice staff tonight. First and foremost, Sky Sisk for being the voice of Monique, as well as <laughs> quite a few other voices that she had to 
basically pick up. Thanks also going out to Kaz McDonald, the voice of Kalia, Mythic Fox, myself, and Dave the Dragon basically is the voice of the, for the most part, nameless vampires. Uh, Renard Defalero is the voice of Dragomir. We would like to thank everybody who came out tonight. Though this is the end of the first season of Black Warren Reads, this is not the end of Friday Nights with Black Warren Books. We are going to be starting up Black Warren Plays in a couple of weeks, where we'll first be starting out with hosting basically a quote-unquote watch party. Dave the Dragon, myself, possibly Sky, we will all be playing Deep Rock Galactic, but we will all be doing it in character as Nick Black Warren, Vincenzo Gianseracusa, and Sky will be more than likely voicing Shiko Akimura. Uh, we're also going to be looking at you know other games to basically play and invite everyone to watch and listen along with. We're hoping it's going to be a lot of fun. And we will also be putting together a Pathfinder 2nd Edition game that's going to be run by one of our moderators and the co-founder, Chris, who is very much looking forward to it. He's basically just getting everything together as we speak. We will be recording the sessions, but if anybody wants to basically be here, we'll be putting out ads awareness raising and the like before we go tonight once again we want to wish everyone a happy pride or there's a lot to be proud about there's a lot to be angry about but the important thing about pride is remembering that we are all a community and to not try to exclude those who are in the lgbtq plus community obviously trans rights are a very big deal this year okay super big deal like holy shit scary kind of big deal so make sure that you know if you're able to contact senators your political representatives speak out tweet blog podcast video however you feel that you can basically support the community feel free to go ahead and do it all right so with that we're going to be wrapping up for tonight if you would like to read any of the stories that we read from Sound and Secrets World Premiere, you can find it primarily at blackwarrenbooks.com, as well as Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever else you find ebooks. Currently, if you use the word pride at Black Warren Books, you'll receive 15% off orders. But if you're looking for physical copies of Sound and Secrets or any of the other Black Warren Books, publications you can find those on amazon in both soft basically trade paperback aka soft cover as well as hardcover books with that i want again thank everyone for coming tonight so we'll be bidding you all adieu for the weekend stay safe stay warm stay loved stay proud and have a fantastic weekend good night everybody Blackmore Reads is a production of Alora Public Radio. Episodes are edited by me, Chris, and posted to Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Learn more at blackwornbooks.com. Blackworn Books. Be the hero, not a token.